Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar copays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Maseri, here with Mike Bunt and producer AJ's on the screen today with special guest Tommy Doyle coming at you very shortly to talk to you a little bit about everything. And we're really looking forward to it. Sponsored by Sons of Erie. Get out there, check them out, www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Um, Going to be an action-packed show. Going to go through a few things, finish up with a little bit of what we expect at the end of the show, but we'll be right back at you shortly. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Mike, we have an action-packed show today. First and foremost, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, I wish the weather was a little bit better back yeah. home. We had these 80-degree days over the wet, over the weekend. Now it's snowing here in Buffalo. But other than that, uh, doing great and excited to talk some football tonight. Yeah, AJ, glad to have you on the screen today. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Good, man. Feeling a little bit better. Still a little congested. Um, had a long weekend, but I'm excited to talk. Awesome ball today. Have Tommy Doyle joining us here in a bit. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So lots going on. I mean, we're just nine day, 10 days to draft around nine to 10 days till draft, depending on what day. So the going deep podcast will be covering day three, Saturday. So a week from Saturday, we'll be on air with you then to go through that. So we're looking, looking forward to all the events coming up next week. And it's my honor to welcome Tommy Doyle to the show. Tommy, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming. Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for popping on, man. Yes, sir. Of course. How you feeling, man? How how's everything going? How's rehab going? How, how's how's everything going in your world? I'm good. You know, I'm rehabbing this knee injury from last year. It's uh, slow and steady, and just continuing to progress and get better. And yeah, that's the goal. You know, slow and steady. <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. Slow right? and steady wins the race <laughs> for sure. So, Tommy, I want to let you know you are on with some Mac guys right here. Kevin went to UB. Uh, University of Buffalo. I went to Ohio University, so I hope you don't hold that against either. Wow. Of us. 
I you know uh, my rival schools, though, so I, <laughs> you ain't going to Miami of Ohio, baby. That's the best Mac school. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both have nice brick buildings. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, but uh, just wanted to get started, obviously, with the draft coming up soon. What are some of your memories of when you got drafted? And, and what was that experience like for you uh, when you heard your name from the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I remember I was back home in Minnesota. I had a little draft party with some of my closest family and friends and I just remember getting the phone call and seeing a New York area code and I think the Jets had the next pick and I thought I was getting drafted by the Jets it didn't even occur to me that Buffalo's in New York Um, but it was (laughs) just a special moment Um, something I'll never forget my whole family was there it was just a cool moment in my career for sure Tommy uh, that's awesome to hear that um, thankfully you, you know, ended up as a Buffalo bill. Hopefully you can take that next step next year. Um, I got a quick question for you, um, in terms of your, do you have any weird or interesting pregame ritual or postgame ritual that you do, um, on the field before, before a game, anything interesting? I know the quarterback, uh, that you protect, uh, you know, there's says that like he throws up before every game. That's like what he does. Kind of, is there anything interesting or unique that you do, um, prior to game day? I would say I'm more of a, I always put my right cleat on for my left. That's definitely a big thing. I even do it with my shoes now. It's just that's kind of my thing. But other than that, um, nothing super crazy set in stone that I do. Um, you know, I kind of have my game day routine of stretching and things like that that I'll do. But kind of my superstitious thing would be putting the right cleat on first. It just it has to be done, or else it has just. I do. I do it every time. Right cleat first. What cleats are you rocking? I wear the – they're called the Nike Force Savages, I believe. They're kind of Nike's O-lineman cleat. Nice. That's 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 super cool. So, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're glad to have you on here. And um, we know you help represent a really cool, cool um, event over with Jeff Brady, over Sons of Erie. You know, what can you tell us about that event? I know taking over from Harrison Phillips, you know, kind of what more can you say about that? You know, what what kind of thing are you guys working on? Like, just talk to us a little bit about that and, you know, what you guys have working on. Yes, yeah, so it is the Ilio DePaglio and Jeff Brady's and Harrison Phillips, their annual bocce ball tournament. Um, it's an awesome time. It supports a great cause. I believe Harrison Phillips will be there in town for the event too. Um, and it's, it's really awesome that Harrison kind of started that and, you know, what everything Ilio DePaglio has done for the bills and the scholarship fund and Dennis DePaglio, um, and that restaurant. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a super fun event. It brings the community out playing bocce ball. Something I didn't even know how to do until last year, but it's, it's a lot of fun (laughs) and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. What's the most like what? So what's something like super interesting about Buffalo for you? Like, obviously, you found out it was in New York. What else can you say is that you've learned over your few years here? Like, is it the food, the people? Like, what have you found to be like unique about here? You know, being from Minnesota, obviously playing in Miami, Ohio. Like, what have you found to like about here? I would say, you know, for one, the fans are awesome. I played at Miami of Ohio. You know, sadly, sometimes it's not like I was playing out, playing in yeah, sold you know. out crowds but, <laughs> we know <laughs> we know so to, to come to buffalo and like 
play in front of a fan base like this that is so loyal and, you know, there's so much history with this team. It's that's really special and something cool, cool for me. You know, also, like you mentioned, the food, there are some great restaurants, some great Italian spots. Obviously, there's the wings. You got to try all the wings. Where's your favorite? You got to pick one. Put me on the spot. You have to do it. It's, got, it's, a, it's a question. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two. I'm going to, I got to tie. I think, you know, the Cajun honey butter barbecue from Barbell. It's just hard to top that. But I also really like the wings from Doc Sullivan's and 40 Thieves. Good choices there. Uh, definitely. So I have a question for you. Obviously last year had to be difficult sitting out the majority of the season with the injury. Is there anything that you can gain from that experience or perspective off the field that can help you heading into uh, this season? I, I know it's it sounds like a, a weird question, but did you gain any perspective from that experience and uh, what can you take away from that? No, that is a great, great question. You know, ultimately, at first, tearing your ACL, having such a major injury like that, it is it is difficult. It is hard to overcome and get back, and it takes a lot of work. But there is so much good to come out of it. You know, going through an obstacle like that, a struggle like that, it just allows for more growth and something to overcome. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, it really it really makes you prioritize, you know, your body and getting it better every day. You know, that's something I've learned. I'm so on top of trying to stay on top of the things I need to stay on top of now. Um, and then just perspective. I mean, it's it can be easy to take things for granted and then to have it taken away from you. And, you know, it's it does give you a, a fresh perspective. It allows – you kind of have more empathy for guys who have gone through major injuries as well. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a rite of passage and – Without a test, there's no testimony. So it's just an obstacle I have to overcome to get back to playing at a high level. And speaking about playing at that high level, uh, your team, the Bills, have one of the more recognized uh, offensive line coaches in the league in Aaron Cromer. What is it like playing for him? Obviously, he's um, much heralded, uh, does some things differently than than some other line coaches. What is it like uh, being an offensive lineman under him? Um, Cromer, he's an awesome, awesome, great guy off the field, great coach on the field. You can tell he really cares about his players, which is cool. Um, I think the biggest thing you can take away from Cromer is some of the things he does to help you with technique. Um, and he is very open-minded to coaching every player a little bit differently, which I think is, is something that makes him so special. Um, but he really understands angles in the run game and aiming running backs, aiming points and kind of helping you have a better understanding of what's going on out there. Awesome. Um, obviously, Aaron Kramer's done a huge help to you so far as, at the professional level. Um, but what coach along the way, you know, in your journey, obviously you had the setback um, with the ACL, but you've had, you know, probably many fond memories growing up. I have two questions and they're kind of paired together. What coach for you growing up was kind of the biggest teacher um, for you in terms of your style of player when in like how you developed? And then on top of that, what what moment or what time period in your life did you truly think maybe I can do this at the professional level? Like, is there a moment or a specific time where you really thought to yourself, I can do this at the professional level? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I would say my – I mean, the coach that impacted me the most was my college offensive line coach, George Barnett. Um, coach – he is now the offensive line coach at Iowa. So he is a, he is a great coach. Um, you know, when I got to college as a freshman at Miami of Ohio, I, prime, I played defensive end in high school. So I kind of was a young, tall, skinny kid stepping onto campus having never played offensive line before. So that kind of just goes to show you what Coach Barnett can do. He kind of uh, mentored me into an NFL offensive line prospect, and he not only did he help me on the field, he helped me off the field too. Uh, he is – I have nothing but great things to say about Coach Barnett. And then what moment – was there, if there is one, what moment did you realize, you know, I can do this? I, you know, I, I can play at the NFL level. Was there a moment in college, high school where you really started to take – like, I'm going to take that next step and really start? Has that been a dream since you were a kid, or how'd that go for you? You know, I'll be honest, it definitely was not in high school probably. <laughs> Daddy was dropping me off at college and being like, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how you, how you pan out in college football. <laughs> you know growing and maturing and developing to do but as I got older in college it was always in the back of my mind and you know I think after my 2019 season where I transitioned over to left tackle and had a great year it I realized that I could do this so I was probably after that season I would say awesome awesome is there a specific speaking of left tackle or, or any position? Is there one that you like to play, like one that you like to dig in? Are you versatile? Like, what do you like to say about yourself in terms of you know left tackle, left guard? Like, really, where do you see yourself going wherever, forward? And wherever left guard, wherever needed right tackle, left tackle, jumbo tight end. You know, my goal is to be ready at any position. If anything happens, if good, there's an injury, whatever. Like, I need to be ready to play at a high level, plug and play, and help help the team win. That's that's my. How was that playoff touchdown? How did that feel for you? That was awesome. That was cool, cool <laughs> moment. Um, really cool moment. Yeah, it's sweet. You know, we practiced the play. I'm like, are they really going to call it though? Or? They called it. <laughs> they called it. They called a great it play. Where, where would that rank uh, on your all time like favorite moments? Is that is that near the top? Is that the top or? It's got to be up there. It's got to be up there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. Now, being a big analytics guy myself, and most of covered one is is fairly analytical. One thing I stick on to and I love is Raz, and yours was ridiculous. You have a nine point nine. Is that something you thought about in the pre draft process? You did really well athletically. Is that something you focus on and just natural for you? But your testing was amazing. So, what is that something you knew about back then, or like what, or just just kind of happened organically? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I always felt like I was a pretty good athlete, and going into the draft process and combine training you know I was hitting some good times and numbers and you know talking with my agent we knew pro day would probably help me out to show the NFL that I was athletic enough to play in it um so yeah at the end of the day I'd say yes that's awesome now going to Miami Ohio you're six foot eight did you ever play any basketball before college or anything like that so crazy well crazy story I played hockey that was my wow yeah i grew up in edina minnesota it is right outside of minneapolis and it is a hockey town through and through i mean if you make the high school hockey team there like you are gonna play college hockey so i grew up in that environment where you learn how to skate as you learn how to walk so i mean it was there's outdoor hockey rinks all over the place and it was one of my main passions um and just as i grew 
got bigger, stronger, older. I transitioned more to football, but that was kind of my first passion. And I thought I was, I thought I was going to the NHL. Was my <laughs> yeah, I mean, being in Buffalo, that has to feel pretty natural with all the hockey fans around you. But uh, Miami, Ohio, I was going to say, being six foot eight, I'm surprised they never reached out to you to to see if you wanted to play any basketball there. And obviously, good hockey school as well. Um, were the when you were in college? I know, I know this is a little off topic. Were were all the athletes? close to each other in the different sports. Uh, uh, did you ever hang out with any of the hockey guys or the basketball guys, or did was did you mostly stick with uh, the guys on your team? Yeah, it was definitely the athletes we would hang out a good amount. I mean, my closest buddies were obviously on the football team, but we definitely get together with some of the hockey guys, some of the basketball guys, for sure. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, now what would you say like the biggest difference was from the Mac to the NFL? Is it the speed of play? Is it something certain? Is it, I guess, talk to us about like that transition for you just a few years ago and like, how, how have you felt that that's gone now? Like, obviously you've had a lot of, you know, practice now, a lot of classroom training. Uh, you've been around some of the best, like what's, how did that transition go from the Mac to the NFL? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big transition. You know, you go from playing college athletes to now all of a sudden you're lining up against a defensive end. That's an 11 year vet and, you know, has knows all the ins and outs of how to beat you, you know? So I think it just forces you to like rise and evolve and improve and level up your game. And, you know, in college you would in the Mac, you know, there's some games you don't have the toughest matchup, you know, that's just how it is. And then there's some games where you have a great matchup. And now once you get to the NFL, it's a, it's a tough matchup every down and you have to be consistent and play at a high level consistency consistently. And, you know, if you have one bad play, you can't let that turn into two bad plays. Um, and then as you, as you mentioned, you know, the, just the experience being in the classroom, getting the reps, feeling more comfortable and confident out there. That's huge too. Did you carry a chip on your shoulder coming out of the MAC at all, going to the NFL? Uh, I, I know a lot of times there will be players from smaller conferences that will say, I was overlooked or I needed, I wanted to prove myself when I got to the league. Uh, guys like Kevin and myself, we obviously have a ton of respect for the MAC. We've seen a bunch of players go to the NFL and have success uh, in the NFL from the MAC. But did you ever feel like that was something that you carried with you when you went to the league? Yeah, I feel like it's something I've kind of carried with me even in college, you know, prove I came into college as a tall, skinny kid. People weren't sure if I could play offensive line or not. And, you know, from my freshman year on, I was trying to prove that wrong, I felt like. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the best thing to do is be internally motivated and not focus too much on all that. But absolutely, there was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. And, you know, not a lot of big schools recruited me. Um both my parents were athletes at the University of Minnesota. Uh, my mom was an all-Big Ten volleyball player there, and my dad played baseball there. So I was a little bit salty. The Gophers didn't offer me. Um, so, yeah, I've always definitely had that a little bit. Well, they probably would have done differently if they knew <laughs> how things would play out. Uh, I'm sure Miami, Ohio was just thrilled to have you there. Now, I know I did say I'm a Bobcat. Kevin's a Bull. Uh what were some of your – from your playing days at Miami, did anything ever stand out from any of your MAC competition? I, I know we – at Ohio, they always talk about the Battle of the Bricks and they always talk yeah. about Muck Miami. Did you feel uh, any hatred towards Ohio or is that more manufactured? At I mean, point? there was – the Ohio student section was pretty ruthless when we played over there. 
I definitely felt some hatred over there, you know. <laughs> um, I think my my best memory though was in 2019. We won the MAC championship, so that was hard to beat. Hard to beat that moment. Speaking um, of matchups, you were talking about earlier. You know the the matchups that you've uh, in the MAC. Sometimes it was easy, sometimes it was hard, and then taking it to that next level across the board. Can you? There's one you know defensive end or D tackle come to mind um, that you've played against. It was probably one of your toughest matchups and in your career so far um you know I was, last training camp at rochester being able to like duke it out with vaughn miller you know that that's probably up there i would say with the with the toughest matchups is he as good as advertised his anticipation off the snap count is so impressive in next level um and you know like i said he's been doing this for a while you know if you do one thing he's gonna do another thing if you try to beat him with this thing he's he's got another move in his bag so he just has – he's an intelligent pass rusher. Now, can you learn things from – like, I know they're different positions and you go against these guys every day. But do you, can you learn things from de- going against these defensive ends all the time and in practices and games? Is, is there things you can take away and actually learn from the opponent you're going against and you use that to, for your game? Um, uh, You mean, like, learn from them that they're telling you? Yeah, like like they, they, they do – you know, you, you watch a film and you watch what they're doing. Is there – does that – help influence like create an influence for you to become like a better player like watching like watching them play and then like learning from them and your reps against them can you learn from that and become like a a better player you have to learn from the tape and get better I mean that's that's a crucial part of development I think is being in the film room post-practice and going through your reps and seeing what happened you know a lot of the times hey they beat me inside okay well I'm looking at the tape I really overmoved or, hey, they got my edge. Yeah, he did a great job swatting my hand, but I need to strike more violently and get grab some cloth and get it in there. You know, it's that's a huge part of development is being able to go back in the film room, sit down, evaluate what happened, and build from that. And just kind of yeah, building off of what he was just saying right there. Uh, sorry, Kev. Uh, obviously, there's no, the big ahead. mental aspect and there's the physical aspect. And I guess my final question I would have here, what – I guess is more important than the two. Do you think it's the mental aspect of the game or the physical aspect? Obviously you need a, a combination of, of both, but uh, if you had to rely more on one or the other, what, what direction would you lean on? Yeah, I would say that the physicals are important to get you here. You need to have some level of that, but at the end of the day, the mental outweighs the physical at the end of the day. I think that's where you can separate yourself. Um. Yeah, that's yeah, that's absolutely true. What did you th- What do you feel about Rod? You brought up Rochester a little bit earlier. Um, what do you feel about? I know I think they renewed St. John Fisher again. What is your like opinion on going out doing that in the dorms, like a D three college? Like, how does that feel to be with everybody? Like, is that a good bonding experience? I know you know Coach McDermott has talked about it being so. Like, what is your opinion on like like Rochester in general being over there with the guys and just kind of hunkering down as compared to being back at your place in Buffalo? Yeah, I think it's a. It was great. I was I was impressed with the setup they have over there. The cafeteria and food is awesome. Like you mentioned, the bonding with the teammates. I mean, we're all living in the dorm together. We're all going through a hard fall camp, hard practices. We're all in the mud together. I mean, that's a huge you know bonding portion of the season, and it feels like you're back in college again, hanging out with with the boys in the in the dorm. So it's 
it was a cool experience. And also, I mean, the fans were awesome there. Every practice, I think there was like a couple thousand people there. That was pretty cool to yeah. see that as well. Yeah, it's wild. It's tickets sell out. I've been doing it for a while. I know probably caught a couple of COVID years in there with not doing it, but uh, it's definitely been pretty staple in the Rochester area and something that they've been go- doing, you know, many, many years now. I know I grew up going to training camp with many different regimes of players. It was always a really great atmosphere for players to interact with with kids and families. And uh, it was always it was always really neat to see like up close and personal. And it was, I thought it was always a really good idea for the team uh, to get out there and do it. So that was always that was always fun. Um, now when it comes to training camp specifically as, you know, we're, we're a little, you know, a little ways away now, do you think you'll be ready? Like you, like, are you on par for that? Like how, like, is that going in terms of, do you think you'll be able to see the season start date? Like how, what's your expectation? Yeah. My expectation is I'm preparing to get ready to be, you know, play at a high level for fall camp. So that's the goal. And it's got to take it one day at a time, control the controllables and race to get there. (laughs) that's for sure right well we're really looking forward to i know we'll run into each other at the bocce tournament uh, in a couple of months we do have a quick promo to show you from their end so uh uh if everyone just wants to take a quick peek at uh this great promo. Yeah, we're here, you know, uh, had an amazing relationship with Dennis and Ilio through my time here. And, um, these, you know, Jeffrey mentioned how do we want to get more involved and what can we continue to do to support your foundation? My biggest thing when I went to free agency, I was so scared that my foundation wasn't going to be able to continue here because volunteers would pull out or sponsors would pull out. And this event here is going to put on, you know, one or two full camps and activities for my kids to go uh, the rest of this season, even though I'm not here in person, but that's to continue to be carried on by guys like Tommy and some other teammates who are here, friends of, of all of ours, family with us, and willing to continue to grow our my foundation, continue to grow the relationship that the uh, Ilio DePaulo Scholarship Fund has with us, and uh, make a difference in our community of Western New York. So really cool event coming forward. Anything else you have about that or like anything, like I know you get to interact with some, some, some teams, some plays, like anything, anything else you can say about the tournament? Be there. You got to show up. There'll be some Bills players there. It'll be a good time. Bocce ball is a great, great, fun little sport. So I hope to see you all there. Well, awesome. do. Thank, Thank you for coming so on. Tommy, Tommy yeah, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, we really right. appreciate you spending 30 minutes with us popping on. Um, yep. And, you know, thank you so much. And anything else, uh, anything else you'd like to say to the fans? Go Bills, baby. There you go. Thanks, appreciate Tommy. Really appreciate you coming on, man. You guys have me on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, Tommy. So it was great to have Tommy on the show. A really good perspective from inside the team there, Mike. And uh, uh, really looking forward to what he can do in training camp, taking it one day at a time. So um, what are your first initial reactions off of kind of his experience and his journey? I mean, it's always good to, to hear from a player and hear about their experiences in Buffalo. Obviously, a lot of players go through uh, different journeys in their lives. Some are the five-star route where they go into uh, college and they're already stars based on their high school experiences and they, they know they're going to go pro. And then you have other guys that a little a little under the radar. And Kev, I think you and I are a little bit more familiar with those type of guys having gone to uh, Mac schools and seen and known and talked to those uh guys but it was really cool to see uh to to hear from tommy doyle and find out that he grew up loving hockey that was his first passion and um 
really not saying he had a chip on the shoulder, but uh, wanted to go to University of Minnesota, didn't get that opportunity like his parents, and then really uh, killed it at Miami, changing positions. And uh, he's taken that opportunity to uh, become an NFL player. And uh, right now, obviously, hoping to uh, recover well from this injury and, and go out there and prove to the Bills coaching staff that he deserves an opportunity to earn his time on this field. So uh, really great story from him. And as you mentioned, an incredible athlete, that RAS score is tremendous for him. So uh, excited to see what he can do for the Bills and hopefully he can continue uh, stepping up uh, as the years go on. Yeah, I really think it was cool to see. So, you know, he mentioned him. Oh. No, I really think he mentioned himself being like the sub the sub tight end in the, in the, in sub packages. So, um, you know, really having a big role on the team. So what are, what are your opinions on that? Yeah. I mean, his willingness to play at every position, I think was pretty cool. How, like, I thought maybe he would come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm really comfortable at this spot. Um, but his ability to be willing to play and name every position and say, he'd be the jumbo tight end was really cool. And then um, I also thought it was cool that he didn't really think he could make the NFL when he was a high schooler. And, you know, talking about that journey and saying, you know, it, it wasn't really until college where he thought, you know, I can do this thing. His dad, like he said, his dad kind of sent him off and said, you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. But it was really cool seeing that, you know, because there's, there's different journeys for everybody. Like Mike said, some are five-star athletes and they're going places right off the get and they think they can make the pros really at a young age or, they're, you know, they're doing really well. So it's pretty cool to see a guy that took a little bit longer to realize that he can do it and he still went out and did it. For sure, for sure. Um, well, it's now just nine days until we'll be here live for day one of the draft. Lots of things that could happen um, from now until then. There's still a lot of things to talk about. But um, if you look forward to day one of the draft, we'll be here right at you live all day. Uh, the Air Raid Hour will be on for their live show on Thursday on next Friday will be um, Ant's show. He'll be on here. A lot of panelists will be joining for both. And then we'll be live Saturday to run the Saturday show. We'll be here Friday or Friday for a pregame show too. We'll head up and talk about all the prospects. Maybe there's some trades. We will, we will all reshuffle our board. So we'll be here on the pregame today too, as well next Friday. So it's great to hear Tommy's is rehabbing to be ready for the start of the season. That's he's doing amazing work to get ready for that. Um, so, Mike, I'm going to bounce it to you real quick. What do you feel about this offensive line? You know, this is an offensive line special now going into two other topics. What do you feel about this offensive line in totality? Lots of good interior uh, players on the roster. Where do you stand with this um, with this line as, we, as, it, as it sits? Yeah, as I've said on previous shows, I'm okay with the way the line currently sits. I'm okay, I, I think uh, – it would be all right if they added another right tackle. I don't think it's a necessity in the first round, uh, but uh, I look at left tackle. Deion Dawkins is a stalwart. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, I, I like the upgrades that they've made at left guard, uh, bringing in Connor McGovern, uh, Dave Edwards, Mitch Morse. You know what you're going to get out of him at center. Obviously Ryan Bates uh, is a good starting right guard. Uh, we'll see if he can take his game to another level. The The real question mark for majority of fans is uh, Spencer Brown at right tackle. But as you and I have said, you and I both think that the Bills are going to go forward with him 
as their starting right tackle going into the season. Now that doesn't mean that we're right, but they, they definitely speak glowingly of him when they have the opportunity last year, obviously impacted by injuries. I don't think they want to move on from a third round pick from two years ago that has the athletic profile that Spencer Brown has. Now, am I willing to say that he's guaranteed to become a good starter in the NFL? I don't, I don't think I'm that far, but uh, I, I just don't think I'm at the point where at 27, I think they're going to get someone that will instantly deserve to start ahead of Spencer Brown in the lineup. You look at some of the guys that are being mocked in this draft. Is a Darnell Wright don't, really going to fall to 27? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem likely at this point. And when you talked about talk about some of the other guys that'll go before him, if, if not Darnell Wright, is there really someone else that you would want to take at 27 that would start ahead of Spencer Brown at this point? I'm not sure. So overall, I think the, what the Bills have is an average offensive line that has the ability to play at a higher level if they play to their best and has the ability to play to being a slightly below offensive line if they play to their worst. Uh, as fans, we're going to hope that we get the better results, but uh, I don't think there it's going to be a repeat of last year. I think there was other factors besides just the offensive line that played a role in some of their struggles. Um, absolutely, Mike. So as you kind of look into all of the different options that the Bills have next next Thursday, being kind of, you know, we obviously had some press conferences today with Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and plenty of players. Real quickly, one that came up by Vaughn Miller was DeAndre Hopkins and his constant communications and how he'd like to be a Bill. You heard him reference the OBJ stuff, though, and say, like, yes, but we saw how OBJ went with that scenario. Um, but we'll see how that all develops over the next eight days. I still think the Bills are in play with OBJ off the board now. And as we get closer to the draft, I do believe that they're still very much in play to make a move at receiver, especially if the Bills decide to trade down, maybe go defensive tackle, maybe go linebacker, and maybe go every other uh, route. They could entertain the position of let's let's re-engage or continue to engage with the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins. So that's something to look out for, too. Thought that was still interesting that both the player just recently said he'd play with, in, in Buffalo with his with his little game he played just recently on that on that clip. Um, and then with Vaughn's comments, very much well, so that question, he's Kevin. probably still. What you got a question is, is the interest mutual? Obviously, we know DeAndre Hopkins is interested in playing for the Bills. But are the Bills genuinely interested in adding DeAndre Hopkins? Because, we, like you said, you saw the video. He, he's open to it. Vaughn Miller is adding that. He, he wants to be a Bill. But if Tim Graham recently on his podcast a few weeks ago said all of the smoke right now is coming from DeAndre Hopkins camp and it's not coming from the bills. That doesn't mean the bills didn't check in and do some due diligence, but do you really believe the bills are all in on this? Or is it one of those where, well, I guess if he falls and they're willing to take a fifth round pick for him, then we'll obviously be open to it. The world's got you feeling glazed over, sprinkled some love all around. Just climb your way up out of that hole, and you'll be the taste of the town. Grab the one thing that everyone's loving, 
And as it happens, they come by the dozen. Everybody loves a donut. Order a dozen from Dunkin'. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Yeah, I think it's all about the compensation. It always has been. It's always ha- It always has been. You know, we just saw um, Allen Robinson on a huge contract. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is a lot better. But... Um, still a big contract, a player that can be a receiver to um, style when 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 playing well, went for a seventh swap. So, you know, you saw Brandon Cooks go for, for a marginal compensation. So I believe the Bills are like, well, you know, we don't value him right now as a day two pick. It just is what it is. If you come back to the table for us, and you know, maybe even a four or a five. Being said it today, like that's the part they do take away from him. He said it today, like, sure, I'll use those picks, but I don't want to give up one, twos, and threes. Um, so I think that that's accurate in a sense and that kind of lines up with the trades he's made, like for a Naeem Hines. Uh, I think that that's very accurate with trades. He's willing to give away if they're willing to play park, you know, you know, play ball in a park with a day three pick. I do believe that that could speed up quicker and the bills would get closer to moving that down the road. But I'm assuming, you know, whatever Tim Graham knew a couple of weeks ago, maybe he was told the pet, you know, the compensation was, was a second round pick and the bills are just, you know, they're not, they're not there in that range. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, bearing something different happening. That doesn't mean that that second round ass could go down to a fifth by the time day two rolls around. So, you know, it's something to keep an eye on, um, especially if for some reason the receivers are gone and the bills decide to uh, go a different direction. Um, I think that that will be the best way to go. And in, in my opinion, that they could entertain this uh, in just a week or so from now. So, AJ, your opinion on the offensive line room. What are you thinking of? Uh, which your opinions going forward on the offensive line? Yeah, so here's where I'm at with the whole thing. I I believe if a Broderick Jones or Anton Harrison or a Darnell Wright are at 27, if one of those three fall, because I think Skaransky will be gone. Um, and I think Dewan Jones would be I think Dewan Jones would be a reach kind of at 27. I think you would get him in the early second. So if one of those three are there, I don't think you can pass up on it. And if you Select him, and he beats out Spencer Brown at the right tackle position. That's cool. If he doesn't, you have depth. Deion Dawkins has a couple years left of his contract, so there's always that option as well. Um, so that's where yeah. I stand. If, if there's if if one of those three aren't there at 27, then I'm okay with a Bergeron in the second or third, or a, a Steen, um, a Steve Richard. Have. Yeah, Jalen Duncan. Like I'm, I'm fine with like those mid round guys that could come in and bring in some competition. But I just couldn't pass up. And I don't know. I mean, being sad, best player available, and then McDermott kind of like backtracked. It was like, what does that mean? Like in his press conference. So they're, you know, they're just saying stuff. Um, but I think at 27, if one of those three fall, I think you have to do it just because of the uncertainty of Spencer Brown. Um, I know he was a third round pick, but so was Terrell Bernard. What, what are the plans for them? I don't think that really matters at this point. Um, I, I think it's more of a, you gotta, you gotta protect your quarterback the best you can. If it is Spencer Brown, good for him. I, I think he deserves a shot at least in camp, but if it's not, 
and it's a rookie that comes in and wins the job, then so be it. But that, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's like the biggest need, but I don't. I, I think they need to address it at some. Point. I do. Di- I disagree with you a little bit. Not to, and I know this that's is actually a conversation that we've been talking about in Cover One. So yeah, you're. It's not. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. We just have differing opinions on this. I, I do think there's a big difference between Terrell Bernard being a third round pick and Spencer Brown being a third round pick. Terrell Bernard was a third round pick that they stashed on their defense that barely saw time as a rookie, that there is a lot of questions and uncertainty about his future. Spencer Brown was a third round pick that they took and they instantly wanted to have him get playing time and to see what they could have out of him. To, to me, when you're drafting a guy like Spencer Brown with a high upside athletic profile, you're way less likely to give up on a player like that early than someone else that you're stashing to develop uh, in hopes that he can one day earn a job. So uh, I'll, I'll just say this because this is the conversation. A lot of I cover one peers like Greg, like Aaron, the, the smarter guys that are much smarter than me overall, they would say Spencer Brown hasn't done enough to basically be in a spot where the bill should be avoid adding an upgrade if an upgrade is possible. But my counter to that is even though we all believe that Darnell Wright is an upgrade and some of the other guys that uh, Broderick Jones and some of these other guys are upgrade. If those guys aren't the ones available at 27, are you really upgrading someone? Are you really upgrading the position at 27 by adding one of those other guys? A lot of times it's easy to say like, Oh, adding an offensive lineman in the draft is a safe addition, but that's not the case. We saw that with Cody Ford. Uh, it, it's not a safe thing. And the thing with Spencer Brown is as much as he's left things to be desired from wanting more out of him, there are legitimate reasons that have contributed to him not playing up to the expectation level that we have desired out of him. He was playing hurt last year and he did not get a full tr- training camp healthy. He did not go into the regular season healthy and that's going to impact you. Now, if, uh, if there's a stud at 27, I'm not against it. I just think with the way that they've put this line together, where you have a stalwart at left tackle, where you have a solid center, where you added two starters at left guard, you already feel comfortable with your right guard. I don't think they need to go all in at right tackle at this point. Uh, and you look at some of the second round guys, could they get a Bergeron at 59. Could they get some of these other guys at 59? I, if they really value offensive line that much, I think they could still get someone that is close to some of the other guys that we've mentioned. And and then you don't sacrifice a first-round pick at it. So I, I know that some of the other guys are going to disagree with me, but I don't think this line as it stay, as it sits right now is bad. I, I really don't. I, th- I still think people are focused on the Cincinnati game, are focused on Roger Saffold just getting – just having a brutal season and thinking, God, we're going to have a repeat of this, but they're not taking into account. A lot of the bills offensive woes weren't just offensive line. It was scheme. It was things that they were doing. It was a passing game. There was a lot of other issues that contributed to it. So you make some adjustments there. You don't necessarily need to get a stalwart right tackle to suddenly have a great offense. I think they could still have a great offense regardless of what they do. Right. Yeah. And I'll make a quick like argument for both sides just because I do see your side, Mike. I think it comes down to this um, at 27. It's going to it's going to depend how the board falls. Ultimately, um, do you trust 
Spencer Brown, the guy you believed in to be your you know right tackle because they started him last year. Do you believe in him to stay healthy um, for another season? And do you believe in him to you know develop into the player they want him to be? Or do you you know does a guy fall or a guy in the second round even um, come along and you know win that job? That's the that's the battle they're gonna have to go with. I think I don't think it's the biggest need. I think uh, linebacker and wide receiver. I would personally do, but I I, I see both sides of it. Um, because obviously Spencer Brown was not, um, you know, he didn't play well last year, and it's. it's and that's something. why I'm okay in the second or third round, AJ, because yeah. I I don't want Spencer Brown to just be given the job. I do want him to earn it. Right. But I also think you can get someone in the second round, or maybe even a little bit later, that could still push him to another level. And what if Spencer Brown comes out and balls during camp? You're gonna obviously. You can never have too many good offensive linemen. You want to have depth. But when we look at it, linebacker is a need on this team. They definitely need to address linebacker. Second round, first round possibility with that. Then wide receiver, we need to add someone in the slot. Now, I know the wide receiver group isn't as top-heavy as what normally most of these wide receiver classes have been recently, but that might actually play in the Bills' favor because what do the Bills really need right now? They need a slot. Who are these guys that are projected slot guys? You're talking about people that Zay Flowers, you're talking about Josh Downs. Those are guys, obviously Downs isn't a first-round talent, but you're talking about guys that could sit to where the Bills are are picking. So when it comes to offensive line, if the right fit falls, go ahead. I'm just saying don't feel like you have to take one just because we need to fix the offensive line. I think the Bills have fixed this offensive line. Losing and I, and I don't want to ever say this because it feels rude, but losing Saffold is going to be an addition by subtraction for the Bills based on how he played last year. And just getting some continuity, getting these guys together, I do think there's going to be improvement overall. Right, right. And that's the argument, too, for keeping Spencer Brown on that right side is that continuity with Bates and Morris, assuming McGovern takes over the left guard spot. Cromer loves, you know, having – continuity with his offensive line I think bringing in a rookie uh day one next year next to Bates and Morris is a risk um so we'll see how it goes and I do want to address RJ quick Kev I'm sorry for taking over everything right now um I understand some analytics some metrics will say they were were bad (laughs) last year but you know what things vary on a year-to-year basis and I don't want to just say, well, the unit was bottom five last year, so they're going to be bottom five this year. We've gone through each individual position from left tackle to right guard. You feel pretty good about those guys overall, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't see any fans clamoring for Deion Dawkins to be gone. I don't see any fans clamoring for Mitch Morse not to be the starter anymore. They added two starting left guards, two guys that have started for teams over the past couple of years at left guard. Ryan Bates is someone I think fans going into last offseason wanted the Bills to bring back and re-sign. They didn't want him to, to go to Chicago or sign a, a contract somewhere else. So you, you're stuck with him. So when you look at the line, I don't think you can – I don't think we're going to this line and being like, oh, they're going to be a bottom five unit. Like, could it play out that way? Yes. But if, if you're just asking me – Let's go through each position. If Spencer Brown took a little bit of a leap forward this year, I think this is a good unit. I think 
they do the job. They are, they're never going to be the greatest run blocking unit. But I think you accept that when you're a pass heavy team, like the bills, you, you sacrifice that for pass protection. Now they have to step up a little bit better, but there's other things that, like I said, you improve scheme and you improve with Allen in some aspects and you should have better O-line results. Those aspects don't get discussed enough when they when we discuss the Bills' offensive line woes from last year. There were issues with the offense overall, despite their rankings. Yeah, for sure, um, I think the interesting part of the dis- – The interesting part about the O-line discussion is the center position. I'm really into adding a center just like I am at the defensive tackle position because I think you need to put some some pieces in the puzzle for uh, the center position. I like Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. I think he could come in and be a round four, third to fourth round. That's about what I'm thinking for where I'd like to add to the interior of the offensive line, Mike. What was that? Sorry, I, I this internet right now is. I apologize to everybody. Delays, internet connections breaking up. Can you just repeat that one more time, Kev? Uh, interior offensive line at the with Ricky Stromberg. Is that kind of who you're? Someone that you would be targeting, like in the range that you would go with? I mean, I, I don't really have a specific right now, Kev. When we're talking about offensive line, I'm the guys I've been thinking about have been the Matthew Bergeron's. If a Darnell Wright falls to 27, I'm open to that just because I believe he has that upside to be worthy, even going against my previous argument. But really, my, my, my focus really is waiting closer to then the round two, round three, uh, ideally. I, I want to address the bigger needs first. I This is not a draft that has a ton of offensive line depth. Uh, overall, if you talk to the people that that know what they're talking about, that 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 scout this draft, it's not a very deep one. So it, it's it's kind of one of those difficult things. Kind of two of the three, actually two of the three positions, the Bills probably would want to get somebody in the later rounds. There's not as many capable players at those spots. So you know how I work, Kev. I, I'm not really one that's going to throw out a lot of different names and a lot of different prospects. I'm open to the idea. But it, it really just depends on how the draft board plays out. Uh, I'm cool with some of those day two guys in the second and third round. But if a Bergeron's gone, if you start getting weak there, I'm not totally against what they already have on the line. Yeah, and I, and I think it's you know interesting to think about. Like when I was going to head down to the senior ball, the big talk was Osiris Torrance. Like he was the talk. Um of the guy that everyone wanted at 27 because that was before free agency started and all that stuff. I don't really think, you know, Bills fans, you know, people even here at cover one thought that they would address um, the, the interior line with such a substantial, you know, figure uh, with Connor McGovern and also David Edwards. So I think going interior offensive line, I, I don't think they should even bother making a selection in the draft. If they do in the seventh, sixth or seventh round, like, okay. Um, but I, I think interior offensive line is just – it's not really a need because you have Bates, who I think if he's your fifth best offensive lineman on the field every Sunday, that's fine. I like Connor McGovern. 
and what he can bring to this team. He's young. Um, he can still learn. And then obviously Edwards and, you know, behind him and Ike Bogger, who's coming off an injury, who when he played wasn't, you know, half bad. So they have four solid guys that can play football. Um, and, you know, Tommy Doyle, who we just had on, said he could play every position. So there's another guy to add to the mix. Um, th- there's a lot they can do with the offensive line, but I don't think taking one, wasting a pick, it would be, I think it would be a waste of a pick to take one on, on the interior. At any point. The thing I'm really struggling with, Kevin, is we've been talking since that Cincy game about how they have to fix the O-line. They have to fix the O-line. And I feel like everyone is just feeling like they have to go all in on getting a right tackle. They have to get all these linemen. Like, that's not how you get better. Like, you, you don't just put random linemen in there and suddenly get good. You need continuity. You need guys that complement each other. You need guys that are going to – fit on the line together. We've seen how many teams take big investments at O-linemen, get the wrong guy, and literally not get improvement from it. Just because you've heard about this guy in college and he's had success in the SEC or he's had success in the Big Ten doesn't mean he's going to get drafted by the Buffalo Bills at 27 overall or 59 overall and be a stud for us. Now, everybody acts like the Bills' offensive line is horrible. It is not horrible. I, I think that's the reason why I have disagreements right now with most people is I think most people look, they, they can't get that Cincy game out of their head. They, they keep thinking, Oh my God, this bill's offensive line is going to get Josh Allen killed. Well, you know what? With the, the bill's offensive line playing as bad as I could remember last year, they still had the second best offense in the league. They still ran for over five yards of carry. James cook was around, was close to six yards per carry at times last year. Even Devin Singletary was over four and a half yards per carry. This was a team that ran the ball effectively. James Cook led the league in most 15-plus yards carries per ratio. Uh, So it's it's not like this offensive line is horrible. So, like, if you look at the grades on pro football focus, they'll tell you that the Bills had one of the worst running um, grades for uh, run blocking in the NFL last year. Yet the Bills' running grade overall – was the top two in the NFL. So you're telling me the Bills' offensive line, run run blocking, was one of the worst in the league, but yet Devin Singletary and James Cook, who no one will say were were great last year, somehow led to the number one, number two rushing-graded offense in the league? That doesn't seem right. To me, it sounds like it's a unit that did have their struggles, did have their low moments at times, but also had some bright moments as well. When we break things down, where is the one position they could improve on the line? Right tackle. The difference between my point of view and everybody else's point of view, especially some of the guys in cover one, is that I believe Spencer Brown could still be a good right tackle in the NFL. And because of that, I don't want to just put an asset in a first-round pick and basically force him out of a starting spot. Because if I already believe that he's capable of starting, why do I want to just force him out? That's where I'm standing. So it's not that we can't improve on that position. It's that I already think we have a guy that has the ability to start, and we haven't seen it yet. I am trusting the Bills' development. Aaron Cromer, who is known for coaching up players, getting the best. Didn't happen last year, but Aaron Cromer has has a history of getting the best out of his line. We talked about it all offseason. I am banking that Aaron Cromer with another year can take Spencer Brown to the level that we need him to be, to be successful. Now, if I'm wrong, you can always go back and draft a right tackle next year if you need one. I'm not against one in the middle rounds, as I stated earlier in the show. But I'm just not going to 
be all scared about it. I, I look at wide receiver, I look at linebacker as more pressing needs right now. And I look at both of those positions as positions where outside the first two rounds, are you really going to get somebody that's going to make a significant impact on your team going forward? Like if the Bills don't get Campbell, Simpson, uh, or Drew Sanders, who are they going to get at linebacker that could come in and start right away? I don't know. And at wide receiver, if they don't get a, a Downs, a Flowers, uh, and Jigba, or a Addison, is there really many wide receivers that are going to come in the third, fourth round and make an impact on this team? How are we improving in that point? Are we going to stash players again? Are we going to get another Khalil Secure? I thought the point was to give competition to Khalil Secure, give somebody else that can be a quality third, fourth receiver. So, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To wrap up, Kev, because I know this is a long rant, I'm okay with adding an offensive lineman. I'm not at okay with adding it at the expense of a more pressing need with a higher level caliber player available at another position. I don't disagree, Mike. I've been on team Spencer Brown for a while now. I went back and kind of analyzed the situation and checked the film. Uh, And to me, it was a matter of, I do think there's something in the tank. I think he played with a terrible back injury from what I was told. His ability was, you know, he was stiff um, and really gutted through uh, an injury prone type of season. And for that, he gets another year. And I do believe he's beloved by Aaron Cromer and the rest of his offensive line. Um, I see a lot of talk, Mike. We t- have we talked about this on the Going Deep podcast many times about the Kansas City offensive line metrics. The Bills, in a lot of ways, were better than Kansas City's offensive line in advanced metric throughout the regular season. I know we remember the zero blitz game against Miami and we remember the Cincinnati snow game. We remember those scenarios. So something to keep in mind were the advanced statistics of the Bills offensive line unit throughout the season wasn't perfect, but it had a better war, which is a, a stat that, you know, MLB uses to run their entire franchise. It had a better war than, uh, than they did the Kansas city chiefs and everybody. It is actually quite opposite. The chiefs line was anchored by Creed Humphrey outside of Creed Humphrey. They let their two tackles go. They're still seeing what, what they're going to do there. They sign one, over from Jacksonville. So there, there, it's not this, this stud unit. It was just made up for another great year by Patrick Mahomes and his offensive coach. So I think it's something to keep in mind here that the Kansas Ellen City offensive Mahomes line. were both pressured similar rates. Yes. And there's stats that say Josh let himself into sacks this season uh, at times. Uh, he was, I think, top five in most pressures caused by himself. That's how he plays. I'm not blaming him. I don't really care. You're not allowed to play that, Kevin. Just, 
Kevin, I'm legally wow. required to tell you you're not allowed to say that. Uh, you will get your Bills Mafia fandom revoked and not be allowed to have this podcast anymore. <laughs> Rats. Um, as one of the biggest Josh Allen supporters there is, I don't, I don't care though. That's the difference. I'm the one sitting here saying there's not, there's not this, this glaring problem. I thought they did a really good job replacing their weak link in Roger Saffold on the offensive line. If, they added two players there to get better. And if anything, sure they, yeah, a little right tackle competition. Yeah. Some center competition for down the road, but that's all I'm looking at, Mike. Kev, they have addressed the offensive line in my perspective. Yeah. That's why I'm saying like they've added two guards. They like, I'm not against Drafting someone second, third round, that could be that could be depth, competition for someone. I, I'm just saying I, I unless if you're drafting one in the first round and he needs to be a stud, you need to have one of those big three fall to you at 27. If you're not getting one of the big three at 27, you're not upgrading your offensive line. That's what I'm trying to say. Like there, there's a few guys that are worthy of going at 27. If they're not there, you're not upgrading. So at that point, it's a moot point talking about mm-hmm. upgrading your offensive line. You're not upgrading. And if the decision is a small slot receiver or a linebacker at that point, yeah, you're still doing better because you're addressing a need. And I, I always laugh when people are like, Oh, a small slot receiver can't make it work in the NFL. Have we not watched some of these guys in the league in recent years? Like you want athletes, you want guys that are special. It, you can be smaller and still do special things in the NFL. I, I, it's 2023 right now. It's not 1995. You don't get killed in the middle of the field for being small anymore. Um, and, and the one thing I will have to say too, if Pat Mahomes was playing against behind the Bills offensive line, do we think he would have some of the same struggles that Allen had? I don't know because Mahomes got the ball out so quickly last year with his scheme, with uh, with the way Reed was coaching things up. It almost was a non-factor. Joe Burrow against the Bills in the playoffs didn't matter if our defensive line did get pressure on Joe Burrow because Burrow was releasing the ball so quickly that the offensive line really didn't have any trouble. A lot of times, offensive line problems aren't necessarily the line. It's it's your scheme. It's a quarterback getting the ball out of his hands. Is he reading the blitzes? Is he reading defenses? Uh, like, if, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. It, last year was one of those weird seasons where the Bills statistically improved big time offensively. Like there was a big leap, but we remember the end of the twenty one twenty two season for how. They had the shootout against New England and Kansas City, and we think, oh, their offense was great all of that year. It wasn't. The, the Bills had ups and downs in Dable's final season as offensive coordinator. They got a much better overall last year. The, the issues were at times, which wasn't often, they made some dumb plays or they weren't able to pick up a yard in a meaningful moment. Like We're talking about a team that went 13-3 and three last year. Nothing was truly ever as bad as what we say it was. The only thing I would really say that was – frustrating and super maddening at times is really sometimes their red zone execution, their untimely turnovers, their uh, some of those problems overall, like it's hard for me to be super critical of a team that went won 14 games and had, didn't have their fourth loss until the AFC divisional route. Yeah. I mean, ultimately here's what, it, here's what it comes down to for me in the offensive line. They made the improvements that they needed to make and anything else and, and being said it today, anything else they make is gravy. They feel like they're comfortable at every position. Do we believe that across the board? Probably not. Like, do we think they need a linebacker? I do. How aggressive will they get to, to get to replace linebacker? That's the question that remains to be answered. Is it a second? Is it a third? I like what 
the potential is from a rap and a Bernard style and, and a specter there too. So I don't think that they're forced to sign a linebacker or draft a linebacker early on in this draft, just like they're not really forced to do it anywhere. Uh, but you know, I'm still team get Josh Allen weapons. We're going to talk about our final mock and we're going to do a live mock here on the cover one going deep podcast next Tuesday. We do a live mock on Friday with Greg uh, and his entire great content coming on Friday with 32 GMs from 32 different teams, all representing. I'll be the GM with Greg for the bills. We already have some cool moves in place uh, for that as well. So don't, I hesitate to tune in on Friday. We're looking forward to that live mock, but we're going to be doing one AJ, Mike, and myself right here. And we're going to be talking everything next Tuesday leading up to the draft. All of our final positions that we're going to take, all of our final predictions, we're going to lock them in. We're going to clip them and we're going to have them here for you next Tuesday. Looking forward to that show and then the show. Thursday, we're going to have some live draft coverage. Friday, we're going to have the pre-show here at the Going Deep Podcast. We're going to tell you our favorite prospects. And then on Saturday, we're going to host day three. Our, yeah, yep, we're going to host day three here live on our network. Uh, but we'll also, Mike will be guest on day one. Uh, I'll be guest on day two yeah, uh, for the panel. Have, there's going to be so much going on for that draft. Like you said, we have our show at 7 o'clock, two days before. I'll be on 9 to 10 day one. Day two, the pre-draft. You're going to be on 8.30 to 10. Day three. 12 to 4, I think we'll be on. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff. AJ, I'm sure we're going to get you around to get you some time on air as well. And you know what, guys? It, it's all okay that we have different opinions on this because it, it, that's what we want. I, if we all had the same opinions, then I would have a problem with that. Uh, it, it's okay to have different thoughts, different uh, different thinking processes. And if the Bills draft a, left, a right tackle in the first round, you know what? I'll find a way to support the pick. I'll be good with it. Uh, if they, they take a wide receiver, I'll support the pick. If they take a linebacker, I'll find a way. Like I, I could get mad at the pick and also find a way to support the individual that joins the team because that's what we do as fans. Uh, and you know what? Just go back to 2018. There's a lot of Bills Mafia that didn't want Josh Allen, and then look at how that turns out. So uh, all of what we're really saying about these prospects is mostly from – other sources of people. Yes, we watch film. Yes, we watch highlights. But how many players are in college football on a yearly basis? And how many of them are we truly watching in depth? So however it plays out, we'll find a way to to get behind it. And I'm sure Bean, McDermott, the Bill scouting staff, they have a lot better idea of these guys that they're going to go after than what all of us do. So yeah, Kevin, just before you wrap up, I just want to go back to that linebacker position real quick. It's I'm kind of with you, Kev. Like, I don't think – I think there's a possibility they don't address it in the top 60. Um, and I think there's a possibility that they, that they go later um, just because – I mean, I, I don't think them resigning a decline and Trell Dodson and having Bernard um, on the roster is, like, indicative that they're not going to address the linebacker position. But at the same time – you know, the, the thoughts come across more and more as, as we've gotten closer um, with Sean McDermott taking over the play calling. I, mean, I, I think he's a very confident defensive play caller. He said it multiple times today. He was glowing, talking about calling plays for this defense. Um, and he's he likes familiar, familiarity with, um, you know, his players. And Dodson and A.J. Klein have been there a while. And Baylon Spectre's another guy. So there's, there's four guys on this roster that could potentially play that position. And I would not be surprised if they walk away um, – with a, a one in the fourth round of Dorian Williams or something like that and worry about that next year and just say, Hey, we're going to, 
we're gonna, you know, he has. I mean, he has so many tools. He's got Taylor Rapp now. Poyer, you know, Poyer's back. Um, you got four guys. You got a third round pick from last year. You got Dodson, who's familiar. So there's just so many ways this thing can go, and that's like why there's so much debate around what's going on and what what the Bills are going to do in the draft is just because no one truly knows. Like they, they could stick with one of the four they have in the roster, or they could go and get a Jack Campbell. But I'm leaning right now towards maybe they don't go top sixty. They bet on the guys that they resigned. And they wait next year for maybe a deeper linebacker class because, unfortunately, I mean, this scenario where they lose Edmonds and then the linebacker class, where there's only three guys you can really get and they're only in first round grades, it's just a tough spot for the, it's just a tough spot overall. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I don't know who he mentioned that it wasn't as good as we thought and how many first round grades. There's no way the linebackers have them. So yeah. will the Bills, will the Bills trade back in this scenario? Maybe, maybe he's telling the truth for once that they will be trading back. Um, but also he's posting trading back, trading back, trading back. Maybe that means it is the year he comes up and gets one of those first. He does like to leave with a first round talent. Kev, so he literally said, he literally said in the press conference, I was listening to it live. He goes, if I had to put my eyes on it, like in Vegas, I'll trade back, but you know, come draft day, I'm antsy and pretty aggressive. So we'll see. So like, you know what I mean? He's like, if I had to put odds on it, but like, what are you plus plus one thirty five? You know, it's like, how close are you to act? Like, it's probably really close. I don't really think there's a, He's going to trade down more than he's going to trade. It's, it's 50-50. It's whatever whatever guy drops, whatever, you know, it's, it's how the board falls. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a crazy week. So we'll give you guys the benefit of tuning into all of the Cover One shows here this week from our sponsor, Sons of Erie, and the Bocce Tournament coming soon in June. Registration links will be tweeting all month long how you can get in there, get a guest pass, $40.00 all you can eat and drink. It's going to be a riot to be in front of Tommy Harrison Phillips, some Jim Kelly, some of the former players. It's going to be the best deal going. So make sure you check out the bocce tournament, all registration links. And if you're good at bocce and you want to play against some NFL players, you can register for the bocce tournament as well. There on the website. Um, we will get out tweets all week. And link will be in description as well. Link will be in description. Cool. Yeah. Link will be in the description. Please smash the like button too. So do, get a chance to meet some of these players and uh, some former players and get out there and have a great time supporting a really good uh, scholarship foundation as well. in the Elio DePaulo. So really cool to be involved with that. We'll be there live too, Mike. I believe AJ will, will be coming and I'm, I'm doing the guest pass. Some, I'm doing the guest there you pass. Go. Guess, see AJ's getting a guest pass. We're coming up. We're going to do a live show there too. So I'd love to interact with all you guys to get you there and talk in um, all of your favorite questions and sport and, you know, have a really cool live show there. So that'll be something to look forward to in June when the weather is nice, speaking of the weather, but we have an NFL draft that you, uh, to accomplish first. And, uh, it'll be, it, it came fast. I mean, just, I just remember saying it's two months, two months away, you know, it's crawling and now it's just, just nine days away. We'll know at least somewhat what the fate is and will all that D hop stuff come true. All of our fans and friends, uh, in spaces and everywhere else talking about D hop, uh, maybe maybe they'll get their wish finally come true in the next 10 days. Uh, so that's something to, to, as well to keep an eye on. But really appreciate everyone tuning in. Special thanks. Shout to Tommy Doyle for coming on for half an hour to, to give us some some cool updates. And, you know, he's rehabbing really well. So we're looking forward to seeing him in training camp this year. Uh, hopefully full strength. Hopefully Von Miller as well. So from the Going Deep podcast, Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt. We got producer AJ on today. But we're looking forward to draft coverage all next week. So tune into everything that we have. But that'll be a wrap from us, and we will catch you guys right here, 7 o'clock Tuesday, to go through our live mock, mock, um, live mock next week. So we'll catch you guys soon, and go Bills. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep.
me talking about the Bills. What else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield. Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.